Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Liberty Church B-Side Podcast. I'm Steve King. Alongside me today, he's back. It's Matt Lemoyne. Uh, Matt, welcome back to the B-Side Podcast. Great to be here. Uh, it was really fun to listen to the B-Side Podcast the last, the last couple of weeks with, uh, with different guests. There was uh, Steve Huber uh, last week and then uh, Andrew Dimsky the week before making, his, making That's right. his B-Side Podcast debut. That's right. I Both those, both those recorded uh, via Zoom. Mm. So I had maybe a little bit of feedback here or there last week with Steve, a little bit more feedback and then also... A notifications. I had to like, I had to scramble to turn on. I don't know if anybody listened. If you did, you're like, oh, that's what that was. Oh yeah. Thank you for not sending me any mean emails. Just right? me. I, I, I had, sent one. You sent, I sent one. I sent a bad email. I, I was I was shamed. I um, <laughs> I had to quickly turn off some notifications on my computer because the ding mm. was showing up. But then Steve had a bit of feedback. I mean, with Steve, but like the Zoom. I had a little bit of a feedback, but... That wasn't just when you had, like, bright ideas and things you were going to share? No. If I felt like he was going off track, I was like, throw in the scratching noise. Nice. Yep, yeah. Yep, or just bring it back. That's yeah. one thing we've never done on the B-Side podcast <laughs> is have, like, the sound effects board. You That's know, right. Like, the... <laughs> we, someday, maybe we'll bring that in. That'd be a fun... That'd be a fun addition. That'd be a fun addition. Podcast. Well, we brought you in... We, you're in the studio. I am. We brought you into the studio. Live and in person. That's right. So, welcome back. Yeah. Good to yeah. be back. We had a great time away. Uh, so, thank you, Steve. And the rest of our staff team, our elders, our deacons, just a gift uh, for me and my family when we can uh, sneak away for some vacation time that also includes Sundays. In the past, you know, the early days of yeah. Liberty Church, it was it would, it would still happen some, but but it was a little more difficult to, to disappear for Sundays in particular. Right. Um, and we're in a spot now where I can do that and um, don't typically get like massive crisis emails on, you know, or text messages on Sunday morning. So that was, that right. was a gift. And Man, speaking of gifts, I think, too, it'd be great to, to just recognize yesterday just felt like a fantastic day in the life of our church. True. We um, not only finished Acts, which was, I know, the cause of much rejoicing and celebration for some, but uh, we also got to welcome 11 men and women into covenant with our church, and we um, were able to baptize two of them. So uh, it just was a really... Um, encouraging day for me. Covenant entrance days always are because we get to hear these snapshots, these glimpses of just the grace of God in people's lives and how he is, um, you know, how they've come to understand the gospel and then how God's just been continuing to pursue people, um, bring growth in their life, how he's brought them to Liberty Church. So that was a huge joy in the services themselves. And then we had a Liberty 101 for people that are newer and less connected. And we had I think it was about 15 new folks come to that yeah. uh, after church yesterday. So there's, you know, a lot of stuff that just to be to be grateful for. Yeah, uh, these past these past day or two. So, yeah, and that's a that's a um it it is a bit of a transition, a bit of a segue into Acts 28. Sure, because yesterday you preaching on Acts 28 really could have gone a couple different ways. I'm sure. Maybe if you want to speak about how you could have gone different ways, go for it. But you certainly went a way in which it's. It's really uh, highlighting the unfinished and continuing story of, of the gospel message going out. That's what Acts is all about. That was your highlight of the gospel message still going out in Acts 28 and beyond, which is why we have something called the Acts 29 Network. That's right. You could like say that I've said, I've said Acts 29 <laughs> a couple of times the last couple of weeks. Every we've time. A, we've done a good job just really getting that you yeah. know, into, your, into your head, Steve. Everything. Really, well, yeah. I'm so appreciative of the Acts 29 Network, I guess. But um <laughs> 
in, in referencing the, this, the, the, the different chapters that we've been preaching through, I keep saying Acts 29 because <laughs> it rolls off my tongue so quickly. And, and so now it's appropriate. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe give us, go back to the big picture yeah. about yesterday's yeah. message and the Acts 28 into Acts 29 approach that you took. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So like you said, there's a couple ways you could go with, with Acts 28. Um, I spent less time yesterday in the sermon actually uh, expositionally unpacking, you know, what do, does a lot of that text mean? Uh, a lot of the historical contextual background, like that kind of stuff and direct applications maybe of some of those principles. It, it felt like both with how the book of Acts ends, which is a little bit abruptly and very open-ended, yeah. as well as just trying to put a nice kind of summary on the entire series since we spent so many months in it over the past year, really, two different sections uh, it felt like the, the right way to conclude the series would be to really talk a lot more about that open ending and how that has, even though we don't even know why exactly it's open ended as much as it does, there's lots of speculation, you know, maybe, maybe part of it was lost. Maybe Luke just assumed all of his readers knew that Paul was, um, was exonerated and released and met with his trial with Nero. Maybe he wrote it before the, the actual trial with Nero and just sometime during those, that two year period or at the end of a two year period. So we don't know, but that open ended conclusion to the book of Acts has since, for now 2,000 years, served as an invitation, as a calling to followers of Jesus to step into the ongoing mission of God in the world, to take up their own place in it. And I love that. And that's where the name of the Acts 29 network came from. Right. And so it, we spent, you know, I spent most of the time, at least the second half of the sermon yesterday, um, really trying to, to just kind of flesh out a little bit of this phrase that I've used periodically throughout the series about the Holy Spirit empowers Jesus's church to advance God's mission and just kind of saying, let's actually just consider now what in kind of summary form um, that looks like. And maybe even more from a, um, an impassioned standpoint, like what, what we actually get to be caught up into yeah. as Jesus's church mm-hmm. empowered by the spirit and, and mission <clears throat> of God in the world. Like I, my prayer, you know, I, I had this distinct, really season of my life where I feel like God opened my eyes to really the, the beauty of some of these things. And in my case in particular, that that's what really God used to, to, to move me into vocational ministry and become a pastor. So my expectation isn't that other, you know, everybody else that hears this all of a sudden moves into vocational ministry roles. But I really do pray that, that in a similar way to what I had, that God really opens people's eyes to see the worth and value first and foremost of Jesus and his finished work, but also what we are caught up into yeah. and that that really stirs us to, to really, you know, give a, have a deep desire and drive to participate in it. Yeah. I appreciate it. How you said it yesterday, you to that point of not everybody is called into vocational ministry, but at the very least everyone should walk away seeing their work as a ministry or right. what's the, where is ministry in the work that they're doing? That's right. Yeah. It felt so, um, <clears throat> talking about the mission in particular, as we were kind of, kind of unpacking that a little bit more. And uh, man, Charles Spurgeon has a really good, but really convicting line. You know, every Christian is either a missionary right. or an imposter, right? A missionary or an imposter. I think that's true. I think that's accurate. That's a very uh, direct and blunt kind of way to put it, but it's really helpful because it wakes us up. So then it felt like important to kind of go, okay, well, well what's that mean? If, if every Christian, if every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter, well, what's it mean for, for every Christian to be a missionary? Well, Here's a couple, this isn't the exhaustive list, but here's a couple specific examples. One has to do with vocation and not every Christian is meant to be in vocational ministry, but every vocation, whether that's 
being a student right now, being uh, someone who is a homemaker, uh, pouring into the life of your children, whether that's someone who is working for a particular employer, a uh, particular kind of field, um, every vocation is a mission assignment. Sure. So that, that's a way we should think about our jobs. We should think about our vocation. Um, another out aspect of that, you know, every Christian is a missionary, has to do with our home, the place that we live. And homes are certainly, in some ways, places of peace and places to rest and, and haven for us and our family members and friends. Uh, but they're not meant to be fortresses that we hide out in. They're meant to be outposts of the kingdom of God where we welcome, we, we extend the welcome and hospitality of the gospel, of the grace of God to people. Yeah. And then the third one was about money. And of course, you know, not everyone, um, like sometimes people reference Jesus and the rich young ruler where he says, go sell everything you have and follow me. Not everyone is, is given a specific call to, to sell everything they have, to give everything away. But we do need to think about our money. And I love this quote. It's, I should have attributed his name yesterday. His name is Ross Lester. He was a pastor in South Africa for many years. And I believe now he's in Texas, actually. Um, he had a great uh, kind of TED Talk length um, uh, you know, talk at an Acts 29 conference some years ago about church planting in the suburbs. And he had this line in there that says, uh, you know, our money is ammunition meant to blow big holes in the gates of hell. Yeah. And so we should think about our money that way. Like the opportunity we have to use our money as part of the advance of God's mission in the world and, and where Jesus promises his church uh, that the gates of hell will not stand against it. We get to be part of breaking down the doors of the gates of hell to see that mission of God advance and we use our money for that. Yeah. So those are that's not the exhaustive list, as I said. That's just those are three maybe very practical outworkings of what it means for every Christian to be a missionary, not an imposter. Sure. Based on that Spurgeon quote. It just that was the <clears throat> the thought behind that was like we just need a little bit more of like an idea of what we're actually talking about when we say every Christian is a missionary. Right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, from from the practical, and maybe we'll circle back to to some of that yeah, application. That's great. that's great. I want to make sure we give some time to two questions that yeah, came in. Yep. So, from the kind of reflection on the practical to the precise, some of these questions are kind of get, get precise. Good. Yep, let's do it. Here's the first one that came in. In verse twenty, Paul referred, and thank you to those that send in questions. Right, so we yeah. want to thank yep. you for sending questions. Always, if you have questions, send them in. But in verse twenty, Paul referred to the Jewish leaders in Rome as "quote my brothers." Mm. So the question is, was that due to their shared Jewish heritage, or was he thinking that at least some of them may be fellow believers in Christ? Yeah, that's a great question. As best as I understand it, and I'm trying to look here exactly at verse 20 from Acts 28, I have, and I don't see the word brothers in there. So, I, I, But right after, 21 maybe, that's what we're talking about? Yeah, it's funny. As I said that, I, was looking at, I, I looked at verse 20 yeah. and I was like, oh, I don't see the word, okay. but so it's just in there. I want sure. to try to make sure I'm speaking to the right uh, part here. So in Acts 28, you see both uses, I think, of this word. So yeah. when you've got the, there are some Christians that are referred to as brothers or brothers and sisters. There's a, there's a, and I probably should have spoken to this more often throughout the series in the book of Acts. If you were ever... Uh, listening to our sermons, following along in the text or on the screen, and you heard me insert the word and sisters, sometimes the word on the screen and in the actual text of the ESV is just brothers. Yeah. And sometimes I would throw in and sisters. There's actually a very specific reason to when I did that. Not all the uses of the word brother in the original text um, refer to exclusively men. Like uh, one of the words in Greek, adelphoi, uh, has a range of meaning that actually most often means siblings. And so in most uses of that word, when the actual original Greek word is Adelphoi, um, that means brothers and sisters. 
There are other times, including in Acts 28, where it's brothers, and I don't remember off the top of my head now what that Greek word actually is, but it, it actually is exclusively referring to, to men, sure, not men and women together. So I, when I would insert brothers and sisters, that wasn't, in case you were like concerned about this, that wasn't me kind of... Um, you know, maybe being like concerned about more of a feminist approach to reading and needing to insert something that wasn't there. It was actually, it's actually truly an, an honest pursuit of trying to say what, what the text might have actually meant. Sure. And I think in some cases, Luke writing this was trying to acknowledge there were men and women as part of a community. That's right. That's a really long winded answer of saying Paul and or Luke writing in Acts here, when he refers to Christians in some of these places like uh, Putili in verse 13, uh, there we found some brothers, right? That's verse 14 yeah, now. Yeah. That yeah. is the word right there. That's the, that's Adelphoi. That is brothers and sisters. So sure. I think that's, and he's referring there to Christians, part of the community of brothers and sisters um, united in Jesus. Yeah, so imagine then verse 15, and the brothers there, yep. similar, because you are in that same group. Yeah. 17, yep. after three days, he called together the local leaders, the Jews, when they had gathered, he said that brothers. Now that is a different word. There you go. Now right. that's a different word right there. And so that's the one where in this case it would be referring to men who are the local leaders of the Jewish synagogues there. So that one would be a word where you would just say brothers. It wouldn't have the range of meaning brothers and sisters. Right. So um, my best understanding based on this question is that when Paul is referring to the Jewish people as brothers there in verse 21, for example, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. Right. He's using brothers there to refer to people who are Sons of Abraham, like right. fellow Jewish people, part of the family of Abraham, part of the the chosen people of God, not in the sense of Christian brothers <clears throat> and sisters. Yeah, um, he uses both. Paul, you know, Luke quoting Paul and describing this uses both. Um, but I think as he's referring to the Jewish people there, he's meaning the shared ancestry that they have, um, not the shared faith that they have. Yeah, particularly here because he's. Most of these Jewish leaders, I think, end up not believing Paul about the good news of the gospel. Some yeah. do, but not many. Yeah, it's good. The second question, uh, I'll read I'll read it as it came in. It's a little, little bit longer. Throughout Paul's missionary journeys to, in Acts, I've been curious about the nature and character of the churches he was planting, particularly their worship, the worship of those churches. Mm. Were they basically Jewish synagogues that preached and believed the gospel? And which were welcoming the Gentiles? Or would the character of their worship services have been distinct from the worship services in the synagogue? It's a great question. Um, I, I would have to, you know, rely upon the scholarship of a lot of other people to really drill down on this question more. Um, so without having an opportunity to really do a ton of that work, I think there was a lot of similarities to, and even this is true in the church today, Christian worship in many ways does mirror uh, worship in local synagogues, local expressions of the church where they'd gather, they'd read a portion of scripture, they'd be teaching or expounding upon it. There's a lot of roots that we have even in what Christian worship services look like that do go back to Jewish synagogues. So I think there would be a lot of similarities. The one you start to see, even in the earlier chapters of the books of Acts, some of the differences. So first and foremost, that the church begins to gather on the Lord's Day or on the first day of the week, That's which right. is Sunday, right. as it celebrates Jesus' resurrection. So not Saturday, which was the Sabbath, uh, according to you know the Jewish calendar understanding of the world. The Sabbath was you know work for six days. That's Sunday through Friday. Right. Sundown on Friday, the Sabbath begins, and there's 24 hours of Sabbath. Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. That's right. And then the first day of the week comes again, and you're back to work on Sunday. 
So that was a major difference. The other major difference that you start to see when the group, the early, like the earliest, when the disciples after Jesus' ascension go back in and start to preach and teach in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden three thousand are added to their number on Pentecost, and then they start to gather at Solomon's portico. Um, the end of Acts two, especially, talks about how they gather, they have everything in common, and they are breaking bread in fellowship with one another, which is probably a reference to t- to two things in one that they were eating meals together often and as part of their fellowship around the table that they were also celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like a meal within a meal, if, if you would think about mm-hmm. it that way, that there was a celebration of the Lord's Supper, uh, which of course was instituted by Jesus, was not part of Jewish synagogue worship because right. that was not, that you know, they in, in Jewish worship rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Um, but the the sacrament, as we've now come to, to refer to it as, um, the the um, of, of taking the Lord's table, the Lord's supper together, would have been part of the worship services, or at least the meal that was a, that was kind of you know right attached with the, the worship services. Yeah. So those are maybe two distinct yeah. kind of differences, but largely, um, but a lot of a lot of similarities. Similarity for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's helpful. Well, let's go back to the kind of the focus on application, like moving forward here. And I yeah. want to go back to advancing the mission. You were talking about jobs and homes and money. Uh, my question for you, Matt, how can any one of us know for being successful in this? Yeah. You know, in, in a, in a world that maybe even is prone to follow metrics, yeah. you know, me as a friend, I love metrics. Yeah. You know this about me. Yeah. Um, we love measures. We love success. Yeah. Many of us do. We want to know for succeeding. Yeah. Um, how do we know if in our jobs, our homes and with our money, we're doing we're doing the right things that are working. Is yeah. it is it more of a, a habit or are we when do we know if we're accomplishing or achieving yep. the mission? Yep. Because if we're not in vocational ministry and our work is a ministry, well, how do we know if we're doing it well? Yeah. And and I don't know that it resolves it easily either if you're in vocational ministry. Because that's a great that's a great question that I wrestle that's true. with. Yeah. I don't want to presume that for sure. Yeah. But that's a great like um, <clears throat> it's a great question. So you're you're tapping into what is a um, an age-old tension between faithfulness and fruitfulness. So are we called to be faithful? Uh, are we called to be fruitful? And the answer is yes. You know, you've got passages like the famous, I am the vine, you are the branches in John 15, where it, Jesus actually says, I have called and chosen you to bear fruit, to yeah. be fruit. So like, That's right. it's, it's sometimes we can kind of simply, like maybe overly in an overly simplistic way to say, nope, just focus on faithfulness. Um, and leave the fruitfulness to God. I think there's so much truth in that. Um, I think also, though, like you can boil that down and be too simplistic and not actually ever do the hard work of saying, like, is what we're doing actually working now? Like, sure. we actually because we actually are called to bear fruit. Um, and even like as it as it relates to like repentance, um, we're called to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Like, if there's things we're doing that are actually harming the the, the um, the witness to the good news of the gospel, we're actually called to repent of those things and bear, like bear, there's, there's actually fruit to be born in a Christian life, I guess is my main point here. So I think that you're, you're tapping into in that question of how do we know? Um, so it's both faithfulness and fruitfulness um, in faithfulness. It's, it's thinking through things like, okay, am I in places where I'm actually having meaningful interactions with people who don't know Jesus? People who don't know the gospel. Maybe that's my workplace. Maybe that's my neighborhood. 
if I'm not actually in any places where my life has meaningful intersections with people that aren't like me, I got to find a way to get there. Like yeah. I, I got it. Like in some cases for many of us, we don't have to add anything to our life. We just have to step with a little more intentionality into the places we already are. But legitimately some of us may have, and even inadvertently often created kind of like a, a little kind of world for ourselves where we like go, Oh wow. I only spend time with Christians. In which case then we got to figure out how do I get to some places in a consistent kind of regular way in my life where my life actually intersects with those that aren't just not having any kind of desire to walk with Christ right now. Yeah. Yeah. Venue. Uh, I think another way to, to consider this from like a faithfulness standpoint is like, what's going on in your heart? Like, do you, do you find in your heart a love for and a burden for people that don't know Jesus to, to know Jesus? Yeah. Like if, if you're, if you're going substantial periods of time in your life and like, that's just not even a thing on your, on your heart, in your mind, you're not like, you know, finding yourself just like, laboring in emotionally, uh, mentally for people that you know, that are apart from Christ. I think that's something to kind of pay attention to and go, okay, I need to, I need to ask God to give me that kind of yeah. love and those yeah. eyes to see people in a new way. And then, um, you know, conversations. So like, am I in, the, in those places Do I have love for people? And am I actually being able to, to like interact with people <clears throat> on things of substance? Am I able to have spiritual conversations with people? Am I able to like get beyond the weather and sports and, you know, neighborly hellos to actually ask really good questions that get into um, deeper things in life? So that all of that would be maybe some kind of metric I would put that are in the um, that are in the faithfulness yep. kind of category, if you want to yep. think of it that way. And I think ultimately that that's a, a great thing to spend the bulk of our energy and attention focusing on. There is a reality that if we're actually doing those things consistently, um, it, it, it is it is God's work. It is the spirit of God that has to change people's hearts. So yeah. we can't yeah. we can't measure our success based on um, how many people are actually coming to faith in Christ, how many right. people are showing up at church, how many people. So so I think that's where from a from a kind of a metric standpoint, so to speak, we think through venue heart, you know, is my heart filled with love for people? And like, am I actually having conversations of substance with people? Yeah. Now, having said that, if, if all of that is happening and, um, and we're just like, it's just, there, there's no, there's no traction happening anywhere in our lives. I think it's not, I think it's right at times to kind of step out to that fruitfulness category and go like, if I, if there's, if I'm not seeing, some things come from this. Is there anything that I should be changing about that? Is there anything I should be thinking about differently? Is my approach off? Sure. Is my um, assess a little self assessment? Little self assessment. Yeah. I think that's you know. I and Steve, we're we're in this season even together as elders right now of simultaneously rejoicing in the in the people that God brings to Liberty Church. We've been able to celebrate the story of gospel renewal, I would call it of, of Jesus becoming yep. big and beautiful to people again in their lives. Right. They, even when they've been apart from the church for many years or they've right. been um, disillusioned with Christianity, whatever. And they've come back and Jesus has become, yeah, big. they're not complete foreigners to the faith. Yeah, exactly. And we rejoice in that story. Praise God. And more of it, please. You know, um, where we kind of have, are in a, even like, and I get my, in my head about this and we talk about this as elder some is, we have not been able to celebrate as much in the almost 10 years now in the history of Liberty Church. We've had some, but fewer, what I would call conversions, with people that have had no faith, right. no background in the church, come to faith in Jesus. 
Um, and man, praise God for the stories we have gotten to celebrate that have been conversions. But I would love for there to be more of those in days to come. And so this is a moment where we can, that is a, you know, a, a metric. That is something you can look at that actually says, okay, well, because we have not seen as many conversions to Christianity, does that speak into our faithfulness? Does that speak into, like, are there things about how we're approaching things? Is there things about what we're emphasizing that we actually need to change in order to be more faithful in the hope that God will uh, use our faithful efforts to, to lead to more fruit? Yes, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but that's like, no, that's how good. Mind no, 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 you're not rambling. Um, lot, lot there, right? Lot there. Maybe like you, you, you took a, you took a, a trick out of my book, which is to get long winded, mm. right? But it wasn't a ramble. And I, and maybe I can, can I go back and yeah, tell me if this is helpful that we could even order those steps of faithfulness okay. and say, if the, the, if you had to pick one of those three to start with, it would actually be the heart mm. for the, for, for the, the lost. And, and if the heart uh, yeah. then leads, if you have the right heart and you put yourself in the places mm-hmm. and then you're, you're, and then you're looking for the conversations. Yep. Yep. Is that, a, is that, is that helpful? I want to, maybe I'd say like, I think that's helpful. Tell me if you agree or not. Um, I think it could be, um, I think the first two, um, so it, so right. This is another great tension in the Christian life, discipline or desire, right? Do I, um, do I do things because I know I should do them or do I do things because I want to do them in response to the grace I've been shown in Jesus? And, you know, again, yes, yes, right? <laughs> right like right, right. We, we want to do things out of a heart of desire. We don't want to be doing things just because we know we're supposed to. Um, and, and, and we want to pay attention to the fact when our desire is not there. But we don't just want to be whipped around by our emotions. And when our desire is not there, just say like, well, until my desire comes back, I'm just going to do whatever I want in the yep. meantime. Yep. So we are disciplined in the hope that God uses our, our disciplined efforts to rekindle the desire. So I would say there's a, there's a way that if the heart is not there, the discipline of actually just making sure you're staying in places and in relationships with people that don't know Jesus can be part of what's gathering the sticks around mm-hmm. the, the in a bundle in a way that we hope God ignites the fire for of love for them. Sure. So I think the love for people or the venues, the, the being in being in places where people are can maybe be interchangeable based upon it, is your heart filled with a desire for that yep. right now or not? Yep. I would say if it's not, I would say pray for that desire, but don't wait till you have the desire to just start sure. jumping into some place like or or to, you know, we're always being formed in life, right? Sure. So form your life around worship with Christians, community with Christians, but form your life around yeah, relationships with non-Christians. So I think I think that's helpful. That, that was yeah. that was helpful for me. Hopefully for those listening too. The yes, sometimes we you have to you have to go to put yourself in the place. Yep. Let your heart follow follow that. Yep. Much like you have to discipline yourself and let your desire come. Um, so then maybe that does highlight even more what you were speaking to at the end there. If you've been in a place in a workplace or in relationships with people for a long period of time and not seeing the fruit of ministry, now it's actually some, which of those three am I really missing? Yep. And, you know, yeah, we're not going to get into all this right now. Maybe for a, um, for a community that's filled with Christians who have been in and out of the church, but mostly in the church for a longer period of time, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we are prone. Maybe I would just say, maybe I'm prone to be in the 
the right places with ready for the right conversations, but is my heart prompting me to push me in other places mm-hmm. and to find other conversations? Mm-hmm. So I think your self-assessment is a good, is a good prompt there as well. And there's an aspect of, you know, um, you've seen this in acts too, right? Several times, uh, I should say acts as well, not chapter yep. two. I was acts with you. Well. I was with yeah. you. You've yep. seen this in acts where, and Jesus did this and, you know, told his disciples too in the gospel accounts as well. Where um, the disciples go out, and then if they're rejected, they shake the dust off their feet and they move on. So, nuance, you know, we're not apostles moving, most of us, city to city, place to place for the for the purposes of sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. That's right. So, we're, we're most of us, in a place for an extended period of time, meant to put roots down, serve people there. So, we're not so much shaking the dust off of our feet if people are rejecting us. We're staying in relationship with them. Yeah. At the same time, because... So much depends upon the Spirit's work in a person's life to make them receptive. And so much is like the the whole idea of hunger. Like, is there a hunger in people to actually consider sincerely the claims of Jesus and to to like go, I, I don't want to actually want to know if I believe this or not. I would say there is wisdom would, would call us to spend maybe at times um, disproportionate amounts of time with people that we start to perceive are actually hungry. Sure. Yeah. And not to yeah. cut off people and say like, forget you, you rejected the gospel. I don't want anything to do with it. No, we stay in a relationship with people, but if we start to perceive there's hunger somewhere. So like if your workplace, if you've been there for like years and years of your life and people know you're a Christian there and you have good conversations with people and there's just no hunger, stay there by all means. And, um, keep in relationship with those people. Like don't, you know, kick them to the curb. Yep. But maybe you go, you know what? There's actually in my neighborhood, I've really not explored those mm. opportunities as much. And there might be some hunger there. Sure. And that's where we're just like, we're constantly asking the Holy Spirit to give us the eyes of Jesus who look out on the crowd, see people who are like sheep without a shepherd and have compassion on them. And, like, yeah. and, and, and in that discern like, oh, there's actually some hunger here. Right. And I'm going to actually reprioritize my life sometimes. I'm maybe not going to do the work parties the happy hours with my workplace people as much as I might do. If there's some hunger there, I might actually shift some of, cause I, we're all limited capacity, time, energy. Yep. I'm going to shift some of my time to neighborhood people in this season because I perceive that, that God is actually doing something there that, that, that's giving them a hunger to right. know. Right. It's good. I feel like we're going to leave a fair amount on the table in this conversation. Always. This is, this is like the, the work of the church. How do we do this? Well, and if anyone's listening any other questions? I'd send them in. Yeah, like that's. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're going to leave a, a bit on the table right now, but press, press. Let's press each other and certainly press us with questions for how what we can practically do to do this well. Yep. To do it faithfully. Um, so Matt, I want to maybe I'll, I'll, I want to close us just for sake of time too. Um, where where for the Bible studies that are meeting? Yep. Yep. This week or next, we're kind of going to Thanksgiving weekend. So yeah. maybe some Bible studies, their, their schedule is getting knocked off a little bit. And we're finishing a Bible study rhythm yep. right now. That's so true. not every Bible study will continue through Advent. We'll talk about Advent here in just a moment. The first one is for you, as anyone would gather, what's what are some what's the one or two really strong prompts for each other in Bible studies to press this into each other? Yeah, I, I would go back to like the second half of the sermon in particular, the open ending of the book of Acts, which is really meant to be a beginning, an invitation uh, for all of us as followers of Jesus. And so this refrain, right, the spirit empowers Jesus's church to advance God's mission. Yeah. So talk about um, are you do you are you sensing that you are keeping in step with the spirit in your day to day life or are you being um 
compelled, driven by other lesser um, directions, influences, you know, um, what, what's, where's Paul's line where he talks about like not getting drunk with wine, but being controlled by the spirit. Sure, right? so we, sure. we, look, we always look to other things. Yeah. That. So are you actually keeping in step with the spirit? Uh, Galatians five unpacks further what that means and the fruit of the spirit. That's a great, if you're like stuck, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. Go to Galatians five, read that together. Yep. That's a great place to go with that. Yep. Be the church. I would, I would say, uh, it'd be a great discussion to just open up with your group. Like, what is the church? Do you, do you have a sense for like the church being really, truly a, a people loved by Jesus, transformed by Jesus? Do you have a sense of what you're caught up into? Sure. Or, or maybe you've been just attending a church for like decades of your life and it's kind of like, yeah, it's like a social organization and there's some worship there. It's like, I know it's good to be part of. I believe the gospel. But like, I, try to stir up in each other <laughs> as God enables um, a, a deeper passion for like what we're actually part of together. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. And I think we can miss it easily. Yeah. And then the mission part, you know, these are three great prompts. Maybe you'll think of others, but vocation, home, money. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how's that playing out in terms of you participating in God's mission? Do you see how that's playing out in your vocation, in your home, you know, neighborhood where you live, and then um, with your money? Uh, those would be great places to, to ask each other questions about that. Yeah, that's great. Those are good. Uh, the sec- So to finish us here, we're going into the Advent season. Hey, we are. We're finished with Acts. Yeah. Right, so we finished with Acts. Yeah. Wow. In the spring, yeah. in the fall. Now we're going to the Advent season, and then we'll follow that up with Mercy and Justice Focus in January. Yep. So for the B-Side podcast, we'll be taking off for Advent, except for we welcome questions. If anyone has any questions related to the first few weeks of our Advent series, yeah. and Matt, if you want to say anything about we'll say something about our Advent series. If that real, real short and sweet. It's called Word Made Flesh. Um, in Advent, of course, we're celebrating the incarnation of Jesus that he took on flesh to dwell among us. So we're going to look at some different aspects of that in, of the incarnation. Right. Uh, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We'll talk about some implications of the incarnation. But Word Made Flesh kicks off this week, runs through the season of Advent. There you go. It's great. Good, good teaser trailer right there. So if you have questions, if there's questions re- related to our first few weeks in that series on the incarnation or the Christmas season, anything that is related to this this time that we're in of the year, send them our way. We're going to be collecting those questions over uh, the next couple of weeks, even if you think it's unrelated to our sermon series, but there's just something that's on your mind for how a Christian is faithful or ministers well during the Advent season. How are we as Christians supposed to even approach, uh, you know, how we experience Christmas around us in our culture, whatever it may be, we're just throwing out that big, broad invitation, bring any question our way, and we're planning to have at least one uh, B-Side podcast in December, later in December, just to kind of collect and answer, reflect on questions that come in, or bring our own reflections at that time. And so we'll probably have one B-Side episode during Advent yep. and then come back with more of a weekly rhythm in January moving forward. Yeah. So anything, yeah. Matt, that you want to add to that? No, that's what's well said and summarized. We'll... uh Excited to, to worship together during the Advent season. It's always a highlight of my year. Um, looking forward to that very much uh, with all of you. So, uh, yeah, but like Steve said, send in any questions as we get into that uh, Advent series. Terrific. Well, hey, thanks everyone for joining us on the B-Side Podcast. As always, send questions our way. Reach out to us. We'll be able to be helpful in any way uh, in the way that you're living your faith in your life with yourself, your family, and those around you, and as you're pursuing others for the mission of Christ. So we'll look forward to seeing you. Uh, throughout the week or next weekend at future worship services. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, take care, everybody.
Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.